Hebrews chapter 11, that's where we are in the Word of God this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 is a very well-known and much-loved chapter of Scripture. It's called by many the Hall of Faith or even God's Hall of Fame. And I really believe one of the reasons that this chapter is so loved is that it reminds us so vividly that God is not looking for worldly success. God is not looking for money, for beauty, for talent, for intellect. He's not looking for perfect families or for sinless perfection. When you look at Hebrews 11, God puts people on this list that I never would. You find murderers, liars, prostitutes, adulterers, and and many, many more people like that. So God is obviously looking for something. What's he looking for? Well, Hebrews 11 illustrates so plainly and so beautifully that God is looking for men and women, boys and girls, who will choose to live by faith. You know, sometimes I think we forget how simple the Christian life really is. Now, let me make a disclaimer here. Simple does not always equal easy. Can I get an amen? Amen. Take, for instance, the sport of golf. It's a pretty simple sport. Little ball goes in little hole. Simple enough, amen? You want to see me lose my testimony? Put golf clubs in my hands. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't help that when you're out there, everybody wants to help. Well, now, brother, it would really go a lot better for you if you would just... I know. I'm trying. It's simple, right? But simple's not always easy. I understand that. You think about uh, marriage. Simple, right? I love you. You love me. We'll just be a happy family, to to borrow the, the Barney song from many moons ago. But how many of us know that sometimes simple's not always easy, but the Christian life really isn't all that complicated. It is a simple life of faith. The Bible says this in Galatians 3 and verse number 11. But then no man is justified by the law on the sight of God, for it is evident that the just shall live by faith. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. Even the practical outworking of our Christian life, the aspects of practical Christian success boil down to living a simple life of faith. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 13, it connects our unity, coming into the unity of the faith. That which we know and hold to be true and growing in it in perfect unity. Spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6 and verse number 16, reminds us to take the shield of faith. Over and over and over again, we are reminded that the Christian life is a life of faith. And yet, it is a matter of question, so much so that Jesus made the comment in Luke 18 that when the Son of Man comes again, shall he find faith on the earth? Church matters, amen? And if we are going to be Christians and a church that matter in our community, 
If we are going to be a place where people can find help and people can find hope that Jesus offers, then I'm going to tell you, church, we have got to get back to the simplicity of what God says really matters. And I'm going to tell you that starts, progresses, and ends with a simple life of faith. So this morning from this verse, I want to look at three life and really world-changing truths about faith that we need to understand. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. Read it in unison with me. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Notice with me, first of all, this morning, the significance of faith. The significance of faith. Without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. By the way, without faith, it is impossible to do anything spiritually. Without faith, it's impossible to know God and truly be saved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved, what is it, church? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number 2, the Bible says, speaking of faith, for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. You see, without faith, church, it is impossible to know God and truly be saved. Without faith, it is impossible to understand God and His Word and His ways. As we look through Hebrews chapter 11, we find that it is only by faith that we're able to worship God. We see that in verse number 4 about Abel and his worship. It was only by faith. Without faith, we find it's impossible to truly walk with God. We see that in verse number 5, that by faith, Enoch was translated his walk with God there. It is only by faith. You know, very simply put, the significance of faith is this. Without faith, there is no Christian life. Without faith, there is no eternal life. Without faith, there is no abundant life. There is no Christian life without faith. Without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please Him. Well, if faith is so significant, then we need to understand what faith is. Amen? So let me give you a definition of sorts. Faith is belief in or being convinced of truth, reality, and righteousness that I cannot necessarily see or explicitly prove. Faith is, be, is belief in or being convinced of truth, reality, and righteousness that I cannot necessarily see or explicitly prove, but that I live in reliance on anyways. That's why the Bible says, and we already read it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 7, that we what? We walk by faith, not by sight. You say, well, that's, that's kind of crazy to live in reliance on something you can't see. You say, preacher, that's kind of crazy to live in reliance on something you can't prove. That's crazy talk. No, the reality is we all live that way every day. Let me give you some examples. 
None of you, we, we see the, the, the construction going on up here, right? You know what I didn't do before I came up here? I did not get out and test the load-bearing capacity of what's currently here. And by the way, neither did you before you sat in that pew. I watched some of you, and none of you ducked down to make sure that the bottom of your pew was still sound-looking before you sat. None of you even really pressed on it. You just plopped yourself right down. Why? Because you were internally convinced of something that you weren't really able to prove, and now you're living in light of it. That's faith. Think about it this way. Every time you get in an airplane, how many of you, if I gave you a pen and paper, could work out the principles of aerodynamics that allow that airplane to fly? How many of you know the principles of weight and combustion and, and, and oxygen mixture and all of that? How many of you could work that all out for me on paper? And yet many of you have gotten in an airplane... How many of you saw that like Alaska flight where the door like blew off mid-flight? Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> I'm getting on a plane in like two weeks to go try to get a summer intern. But uh, I'm like, man, that's great. Not that airline though, amen? <laughs> Woo. I can't prove it. I cannot explicitly prove that that airplane is safe. But I'm going to sit in that seat, buckle up, drink my coffee eventually when they get to me and try not to get claustrophobic and get on where I need to go. How many of you mail something? Boy, that's faith, isn't it? <laughs> Put something in the mailbox. The U.S. Postal Service is going to get it where it needs to go in a timely manner. You can't prove it, but you live in reliance on it. Think about this. Many of us have been to the doctor in recent weeks. I'm glad they do prescriptions electronically now. Amen? But how many of us are old enough to remember the day when the doctor would scribble something on that little piece of paper? I couldn't read it. You couldn't read it. The wife couldn't read it. But we took it to the pharmacist and assumed he could read it because then he gave us a bottle of pills or a bottle of liquid or an inhaler or whatever he gave us. And I couldn't prove the pharmacist could read what the doctor had written. By the way, I've never chemically tested one of the medications they gave me before I took it either. I couldn't explicitly prove it, but I was willing to live in reliance on it. That's faith. That's faith. You see, we do it every day being convinced of a truth, reality, or righteousness that we cannot necessarily see or explicitly prove, but we live it in reliance on it anyways. You cannot live this life without faith, not in an earthly sense or a spiritual sense. That's what faith is. And I'm going to tell you, the problem is we're willing to live in, in a measure of faith towards doctors and architects and airline pilots and pew makers and pharmacists and everybody else. But the reality is the one that deserves our faith more than anyone else is God Almighty. Amen. The significance of our faith, understanding what it is. Church, I want you to see the significance of what it does. The significance of our faith is described for us in verse 1 of this chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Look 
what the writer says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me, let me uh, uh, bring this out a little bit for us this morning. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. What does that mean? Well, that word substance, if you want a good understanding of that, it means that which is set under like a foundation. So, so think of it this way. Faith is like a foundation for the things hoped for. So we have faith. It's our foundation for the things hoped for. What's, what is the things hoped for? Well, it's not like hoped as in like, you know, Tripp says, I hope I get this for my birthday. Or you said, I hope I get this for Christmas. No, no, no. When you see hope in the Bible, it's like a confident expectation. So faith becomes my foundation for my expectation. Does that make sense? It is my foundation for my expectation. Verse number one, it goes on. Uh, the, the, the evidence of things not seen. So the evidence then, my, my, my faith, my belief, my conviction, it provides the foundation for my expectation. It, it moves me to prove or give evidence of that which I believe even when it cannot be seen. And that's the significance of faith. Faith provides my foundation for living. Faith provides my expectations in living. Faith provides my motivation for living. So I'm going to tell you, if the foundation's not right, I'm in trouble. If my expectation's not right, I'm going to be disappointed. And if my motivation's not right, boy, I'm going to give up. You see the significance of faith this morning? The significance of faith. But that's not all the writer of Hebrews has to say. Verse number 6, we see the significance. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. But look what he says next. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, we're going to break this last part out over a couple of things. We've seen first, number one, we've seen the significance of our faith. Amen? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Number two this morning, notice not only the significance of our faith, but the substance of our faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Let me say very clearly, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. And he has revealed himself through his word and through his son. Church, we've got to be clear on this. There is a God in heaven. And he has revealed himself through his word and through his son. You look at the Bible. The Bible doesn't debate the existence of God. It declares it. Genesis 1.1 simply says, in the beginning, God. There's no debate. There's no argument. There's no... uh, There's no great long apologetic. Simply, in the beginning, God. There is a God in heaven, and he has revealed himself through his word. He is the self-existent one. He is the eternal one. He is the self-sufficient one. 
In fact, he revealed himself to Moses in Israel in Exodus 3 in verse number 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Self-sufficient, all eternal, self-defining. I am that I am. He said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me to you. The God of heaven needs no one and nothing. By the way, that ought to humble us. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. You're not doing God a favor by being here this morning. God needs no one and nothing. That's humbling. But I'm going to tell you what's beautiful is that though he needs no one and nothing, he loves me and wants me. And he loves and wants you. The Bible doesn't debate the existence of God. The Bible declares the existence of God. The Bible declares the reality of God. God is. I'm going to tell you, we better believe it. Amen? Creation declares the reality of God. Hebrews 11 and verse number 3, we already see that mentioned. Through faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We understand that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? I'm going to tell you, when you look at this, there is no logical denial of him. I love the quote from astronaut John Glenn as he spoke of his view of the earth from the space shuttle discovery. He made the statement to look out the window as I did that first day, to look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God, he said, is to me impossible. We won't get into a long, protracted discussion here, but I'm going to tell you an honest look at creation, the intricacy of creation, the order of creation, the sustaining of creation. I'm going to tell you this world was not created by a big bang, but by a loving God. No more than the print shop's going to blow up And a perfect, unabridged copy of a dictionary is going to come out. The creation that you and I see around us is overflowing with the beautiful evidence of God's design. There is a God in heaven and He has revealed Himself to us through His Word. Might I in love this morning mentioned that the Bible has a word for those who would deny the existence of God. It's not atheist, and it's not agnostic. This is what the Bible has to say in Psalm 53, verse number 1. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. There is a God in heaven. And he has revealed himself to us through his word. I'm going to tell you, as we consider the substance of our faith this morning, our faith must be in the God of heaven as revealed in the Bible. It's not that we believe that there's some higher power, that there's some greater force, and we're just not sure or or not quite knowing what it is. No, there is a God in heaven, and He has revealed Himself. Amen? 
And so our faith must be in the God of this book. Not in a higher power, not in a greater force. And by the way, God as defined and described in this book. Not God as experienced in our feelings and emotions and past life occurrences. No, it is God as defined and described in this book. He must be, this must be, the substance of our faith. So much, though, we see Romans chapter 10, the statement of this, in verse 17, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? By the word of God. Faith for salvation, growing and increasing our faith, and, and who God is and what God does, it comes from the word of God. I'm going to tell you, church, since faith, remember, faith is, is a foundation. It's significant. We want our foundation to be sure, amen? amen I would prefer the foundation of this platform be strong. The foundation of this building be sure. I don't want it made of jello. I want it, I want it made of something that will stand, Amen? Since faith is a foundation, since faith is that expectation, motive, it must be made of the right substance. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Recognizing that, again, there is a God in heaven, just as the Bible declares. I'm going to tell you, I love how this is written, though. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Well, that, that's he exists. But, but doesn't that kind of feel like there should be something else on the end of it? That, that he is what? I think that there's a beautiful thought here. That it is the reality that I need to believe that, yes, that he exists. Just as the Bible declares. But I'm going to tell you, it also means that, that he is enough, just as the Bible declares. You see, you start with he is. That's how we read the verse in Exodus. Uh, God told Moses, I am that I am. And you know what they found out later? They found out that, that, that it isn't just that he is. He is God Almighty. He is God a provider. He is God a shield. He is God a defender. He is God a leader. He is God a savior. And, and I love it because that's the thing. You will never exhaust God. Amen. Just, just dig into the book, amen? You're never going to exhaust him. You're going to find that he is salvation. Aren't you glad for that this morning? That he is salvation. You're going to find that he is love. You're going to find that he is life. You're going to find that he's life and light, that he is the living bread, that he is living water, that he is the good and great shepherd. Boy, you're going to find that he's the resurrection and the life. Boy, I love the reality that those who die in Christ never truly die. They pass from life to life, and one day they'll, even their, their, their bodies will be resurrected in a glorified state. He is the resurrection and the life. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is wonderful. He is good. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is ever ready help. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. 
Boy, you start with the fact that he is. And you put your faith there and you dig in and here's what happened. You will always find that he is enough. And this is kind of the crux of the matter. Is that the substance of your faith matters. You see, sometimes we get the idea, well, I just have to have bigger faith. I have to have greater faith. I just have to have more faith. And the issue sometimes isn't the amount of faith, but the aim of the faith. It's not the sum of the faith. It's the substance of the faith. That's the problem. You see, I think for the Christian life, the Bible teaches that it's not so much about my possessing great faith, but simply about my possessing faith in a great God. You will never exhaust him. You will never fully grasp him. He is both knowable and incomprehensible all at the same time. But church, I am certainly thankful for such a great God to put my faith in. So number one, church, as we consider faith this morning and the importance of it, we see number one first what? The significance of our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Secondly, we see what? We see the substance of our faith. That he that cometh to God must believe that He is. He is. That that He exists as the Bible declares. That He is enough as the Bible declares that He is We see the significance. We see the substance. I want you to see how this verse ends. Read it in unison, the whole thing, one more time. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we see the significance of faith, the substance of faith. Finally this morning, the simplicity of faith. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Simply put, God does not forget, and God will not fail to honor the faith. Of his people. Church, God is good. God is good. Psalm 100 in verse 5, the psalmist writes, For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. James 1 in verse number 17 reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is good. Now you think about this. When God created everything, it was very good. Amen? And then he gave you and I the keys to creation. We didn't do so hot, did we? My son reminded me on the way to school this morning. He said, you know, Dad, he said, it's like God gave us the keys to the car and we ran it into the house And now we complain that it's drafty all the time. Right? I mean, when God made it, it was very good. But then he gave us the keys, and we didn't do so hot. Now, okay, in spite of the fact 
that we have done what we have done. And by the way, all of this stuff, every cough, you cough, that's a consequence of our sin. Every time we wheeze, every time we can't sleep like we want to, all of this stuff, all of it's a consequence of sin on creation. But in spite of the fact that we have effectively wrecked the creation, God, the righteous, victorious, sovereign, benevolent king of the universe still blesses his people. Isn't it amazing that God's still good to us? Even after all we've done. Some of my favorite verses, Psalm 84, 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. In other words, do you want light to live, to move? Do you want light for direction? God will give it to you. He's a shield. Do you want defense? God will give it to you. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. God is good. He is a rewarder of them, the Bible says, that diligently seek him. So church, we're going to put this together now. Are you still with me this morning? All right, we're going to put it together. So what is faith? Faith is that, that internal belief, conviction in truth, reality, and righteousness that, that, that leads to, even though I can't see it, even though I can't necessarily prove it, I'm going to live by it. Amen? That's faith. So faith is belief that leads to behavior. Faith is conviction of heart that shapes the conduct of our hands. In other words, faith that we have on the inside will translate to how we function on the outside. Can I make this statement and make it in love this morning? To declare God with your lips, but to disregard Him with your life is not faith, it's fake. It's kind of like if you had a New Year's resolution and you told everybody, my New Year's resolution is to get in shape. And you've eaten a steady uh, diet of Dunkin' Donuts. It doesn't matter what you said with your lips. That's really not what you're after with your life. True faith serves as a foundation. Foundation gives me ground to move on. Stability and strength. True faith serves to frame my expectations. My expectations point my direction in life. Hey, that's what, I, that's what I'm after. That's what I'm seeking. That's what my heart desires, and that's the direction I'm going. True faith serves to my motivation to keep me going. And I'm going to tell you the simplicity of faith is clear. Since I am convinced that God is who He says He is... And that God will do all that he said he will do. Boy, if I really believe that, then I will seek him and his will with all that I am. The Bible says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do we really believe this morning that God is who He says He is? Do we really believe this morning that God will do all that He has said He will do? Well, boy, if we truly believe that, 
It ought to burn something within us to diligently seek Him to that end. This verse declares there is no other way to please God. There is no other way to come to God. Only by empty-handed, surrendered-hearted faith. The simplicity of faith helps us to keep it simple. Remember, it's not really all that complicated. A couple of thoughts and we're done. The simplicity of faith, it gives us perspective beyond our position. Think about Noah. Think about Noah. Noah in the Bible, verse number 7 of Hebrews 11 tells us a little bit about Noah. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, like rain, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Think about Noah. Faith gave him perspective beyond his position. In his position, you know what he'd never seen before? He'd never seen rain. From his position, you know what they never experienced before? Global flood. From Noah's position, do you know what he experienced? Ridicule from the whole world around him. So why did Noah build the boat? Because by faith, he believed God was who he said he was. And that God would do exactly as God had said he would do. Gives us perspective beyond our position. The simplicity of faith also gives us promise beyond our perception. In verse number eight, you remember Abraham? Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whithersoever he went. So I love Abraham, and I'm I'm going to really try to boil it down real quick for us. We see in this verse right here what God called Abraham. Said, Abraham, get out from your country, your father, your kindred. I'm going to take you to a land, and eventually I'm going to give you that land. And Abraham said, okay, Lord, let's go. And he went. As God continued to reveal promises to Abraham, he told Abraham, I'm going to give you descendants as the the stars in the sky, as the sand of the sea. Now, Now, if you know anything about Abraham and Sarah, they were pretty old. They were old past the time where where they should be bearing children. And yet, what motivated Abraham to leave his country and his kindred and to just follow the Lord? It's not like the Lord gave him the end destination. It's not like he had the, uh, the Apple Maps report. He just decided, you know what? God is who he says he is. And God's going to do everything he said he's going to do. And so... By faith, Abraham obeyed. Why? Because he had a, by faith, he could see the promise beyond what he could physically perceive. The simplicity of faith gives us peace beyond our pain because we know that God is always in control. The simplicity of faith gives us power beyond our person because God is always at work. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't mean that that there aren't times, many times in the Christian life or life in general where life is hard. Life is often very, very hard. But when we choose to live by faith, It doesn't have to be complicated. 
Oh, sometimes it, it, it means, you, you don't think there was, those were hard days for Noah as he was mocked relentlessly? You don't think it was hard for Abraham uh, to, to get up and, and go to who knows where? We're just going to start going. You don't think it was hard for Abraham when God said, sacrifice Isaac? Of course it was hard. But it wasn't complicated. Why? Because they lived by faith. That God is who He says He is. And God will do what He has said He will do. I'm going to tell you, life is often hard. Marriage is hard. And parenting is hard. And finances is hard. And ministry is hard. And, and, and there's just a lot of hard. And sometimes, what do we do with the hard we can't do anything about? Like, sometimes we get diagnoses, or we get this, or we get that. Or there are things that are outside of our control. And what do we do with the things that we can't do anything really about? How, how do we bear those crosses? We do it by faith. I stop and say, okay, God, help me. Based on the fact that you are who you say you are, based on the fact that you will do all that you've said you will do, Lord, help me live by faith in this matter. And I'm going to tell you, when we bring God's person and we bring God's word to bear on any situation and just decide, you know what? Whatever God has said, however God has led, that's what we're going to do. When we bring God's person and we bring God's word to bear on a situation and we decide, you know what, we're just going to live by faith, it doesn't always make it easy. But I'm going to tell you, it makes it a whole lot less complicated. Because it's not about my emotion. It's not about what he did, she did, they did. It's not about, well, you know, I'll probably be more prosperous if. No, it's simply God. Based on who you are. Based on what you've said. I'm going to live by faith. I don't know what to tell you, church. Faith makes the difference. You follow Hebrews 11 onward. Abraham and Sarah, their faith made the difference between being barren and being blessed. You look at Joseph. Joseph's faith made the difference between him being a victim. You want to talk about somebody who could have been a victim? It was Joseph. Lied about, sold into slavery, lied about, forgotten. Joseph's faith, his faith made the difference between being a victim and being a victor. Moses' faith made the difference between you being useless and being usable. Joshua's faith made the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity. Rahab's faith made the difference between death and deliverance. The Christian life isn't always easy. But church, do we want to make a difference? Do I want my life to make a difference? Do, I want this, do we want this church to make a difference? It's really not that complicated. It is a simple life of sincere faith. God honors the faith of His people. And I'm going to tell you, church, at the end of the day, to be the Christian, to be the church, to be the parent, to be the spouse, to be the friend, 
that God wants us to be. To make the difference that God wants us to have. It comes only by